0: What's happening, everybody? Welcome on into another edition of the Check Your Brain podcast. Here, wherever you are listening to this, the free podcast apps, or you are subscribed to my Patreon at patreon.com/slash Tony Maser, or locals. So go check me out on all of those places if you are interested in subscribing for extra content. I'm going to get to that in just one second. My name is Tony Maser. I thank everybody for listening. As always, I apologize. This free podcast that's out on the podcast platforms usually goes out on Wednesday. Uh, I was in Florida for a couple of days on a business-slash-networking trip, not necessarily a vacation unless you want to talk about going to the beach over in a Dunedin Clearwater area, and uh, one good thing about going with a significant other, your wife, your girlfriend, or a buddy, they can apply sunscreen onto some of those harder-to-reach places, like oh, I don't know your back. And if you're not double jointed, you can't reach certain things. Well, I got blistered in the sun the other day. Violent femmes. It was it was violent. It feels violent. I can't even sleep on my back. I'm that bad right now. It hurts. So uh, maybe I'll show it on a future podcast. You'll be very not safe for work. Really, the sunburn looks like, it, it's clear like I could not reach certain areas. I don't have a bra to unhook, so I can only reach back in a Just so much I can do, so I just have this red spot that looks like it looks like a country, maybe like Russia. Honestly, it really looks like Russia, and it's also red too. So (laughs) very bad. Uh, But I thank everybody for um, for listening to this podcast. Whether you're a longtime listener and subscriber, or you got a chance to talk to me down in Florida for the networking trip that uh, that I was there and I met a bunch of people. They showed me my podcast in their queue. Said that I'm subscribed. I can't wait to listen to you. And uh, I, I again, I normally put these out on Wednesday. I'm putting it on Friday because I want to still give you guys some free content. Or if you're a subscriber, you're like, "What the heck?" Usually, I get a podcast every Wednesday. I didn't get it this week. Well, oh. I? I flew Spirit Airlines, and Spirit gives you one bag, like you get a backpack. And if I'm there for two days. I would prefer just to take a backpack as opposed to, oh, I'm going to check a bag or I'm going to carry on and pay $65 for it. No, nah, I'll just bring a couple of changes of clothes and a bathing suit and a small towel. And that's about it because I'm cheap. So yeah, I didn't get content for a couple of days, but uh, I hope this makes up for it. So had a good time, had a good time down in Florida. Um, I'm going to mention my Patreon here in just a, second but i want to show a couple of photos here if you're watching on the the video right now which is going up on patreon locals and rumble so here i it's my first stop i got off the plane in orlando orlando has the epic mcdonald's which is right by universal studios so everything's got to be over the top superhero like and at this epic mcdonald's mcdonald's hashtag epic M C D O R L. They still have a Mac Tonight animatronic. Now, it doesn't work, but it's an animatronic Mac Tonight. If you don't remember Mac Tonight, probably remember him in a couple of ways. One of them, if you were old enough, from the late 80s, he was a commercial who had a moon face and would sing Bobby Darin songs. (laughs) Because they they realized that McDonald's back in those days did not have uh, a lot of adult traffic. After a certain point, McDonald's was always, I guess, especially because of Ronald McDonald and Mayor McCheese and the Hamburgler and Grimace, is that uh, they seem like a place for kids. It was like a Chuck E. Cheese it was like a fast food Chuck E. Cheese. And they're like, and we need more adults coming here. So why not put sunglasses on this moon man? And he sings Mac the Knife, but instead it's Mac tonight. OK, sounds good. Fun campaign. Uh, and then Bobby Darren's family sued over his likeness and they had to take the commercials off. So had a short but memorable run up until, uh, what, sometime about six, seven years ago that a bunch of white nationalists and white supremacists are using the moon man as a uh, ra- racial uh, – you can look up the memes. I'm not going to mention them right now, obviously. I've gotten enough trouble for things I've said on this podcast. Uh, so – McDonald's has kind of had to back away from Mac, t- Mac tonight a bit because of it got overtaken by the white supremacists. And, and I don't use that word lightly. It's it's a meme out there, and it's not good. Uh, so But anyways, Mac tonight, still around, but he's not playing. He's silenced. He's just upstairs around the corner next to the elevator at the Orlando Epic McDonald's. I did go down there. I'm a big uh, baseball fan, so I checked out Steinbrenner Field. Which is the home of the Yankees spring training facility. Went down there. It was a nice place. It's just nobody goes to. That's one thing I've noticed when you go to Tampa. Is Tampa, I've said this for years. It's not a profound statement. Is if you're from any part of the country and you move to Tampa and they say, well, the Rays don't draw, they don't go to St. Petersburg, Tropicana Field, they get. 12 people, I mean, the Rays just recently had an amazing 13. I think it tied the record of 13 straight wins to start a season with the 87 Brewers and the 82 Atlanta Braves. Problem is, if you're from Ohio, like say you're from Cincinnati, Ohio, and you're a big Reds fan, you're not going to, and you move to Tampa Bay, you're not going to trade your fandom in to be a Rays fan. You're still going to be a Reds fan or Pirates or wherever you come from. And that's the problem is guarantee most of these people at the stadium are Yankee fans, but they don't really care about any other team, but they're Yankees. And when they're in town, yeah, they'll draw pretty well. Uh, and they do well for spring training. But then when the regular season starts and you have minor league baseball, the Tampa Tarpons, which actually have a female manager, uh didn't draw well. And I understand the lightning were playing that night and the tickets were two bucks and the parking was free, which was great. But uh yeah, uh there was it was a friends and family night if you see in the photo. There's nobody there. I also went to Bradenton went to go see a Marauders game. This is a cool stadium. I gotta say, such a cool place. I did like Bradenton. It's how baseball should be. It's over a hundred year old park, one of the oldest ballparks in all of pro baseball. Yet they've added to it. And it was great. I did check out Chain of Lakes Park, Chain O Lakes, whatever you want to call it, down in Winter Haven. And uh, the fact that the Cleveland Indians spent 15 years there, when it was supposed to be just a couple of years, the reason they moved from High Corbett Field in Arizona to Winter Haven was actually they were supposed to go to Homestead. But Homestead got destroyed in 1992 by Hurricane Andrew, and they had to find a temporary home. And so Winter Haven used to be the home of the Red Sox, and they moved out, and they decided, all right, well, we'll go in there for a couple of years, figure out this Homestead situation, but they didn't. And Homestead still hasn't had a spring train. In fact, all of South Florida does, there's only like two teams and that's just more Palm Beach, like West Palm has in Jupiter, but they're not in Miami. They're not anywhere like that. They're just basically, they wanted to keep the Florida state league and they wanted to keep spring training in the grapefruit league, either to Tampa or, uh, I, that's about it. It's almost like the whole Tampa area. If you think about it. But uh, the, the fact that the team once known as the Cleveland Indians played 15 years here as opposed to like two, is incredible. So I got a chance to check all that stuff out. I went to the original Hooters. I did that back in uh, 1990. It was one of my first memories. I went to Hooters. And now you. this is one of my favorite examples recently when people use the, well, what's the difference between Hooters and the drag show? And a lot of my Patreon supporters know I, I talk about this every so often. It's such a disingenuous argument. Um, the difference between drag queen shows of taking your kids there and taking your kids to Hooters. Now, ideally, you probably shouldn't take your kids to either. But if, if you're going to choose, the Hooters girls are not, it's not a wet t shirt contest. There's no sexual acts that are happening, there's no twerking. I was at this Hooters the other day. I've been to the suitors back in 2014 and in 1990 and now 2023. So am I going to go every nine years? I can't wait till I'm 44 when I go there again. Um, But uh, it's, such a, it's such a disingenuous, bad faith argument that there is a massive difference between the two. And if you were going to take kids, you go to the place that's more, okay – oh, well, you know, all those girls at Hooters are being sexually objectified by drunken bar patrons. Yeah, it's like that at every restaurant. I, I Go to TGI Fridays. You're going to have guys are checking out the waitresses and the bartenders. It's just that they, they're wearing slightly skimpier outfits. Big deal. It's not, it's, anytime they mention Hooters, oh, is this okay? What do you look, look, here's a eight-year-old boy and two Hooters girls. Okay, I mean, yeah, I mean, not, I wouldn't do that as a parent. And why did when I was two, we went to this Hooters in Clearwater, Florida? It's because it was the original. And I think it was only a couple of years old. I don't think we had Hooters up in Ohio. And uh, family members like, oh, let's go. Let's go to Hooters. And apparently I, I grabbed one of the servers and she did the T. Goodness. Just like dear old dad. Still got it. <laughs> so. Yeah, but uh, and I met up with my buddy Chad Zumach, a comedian extraordinaire, and uh, Chad, Chad was hammered. I'm not telling tales out of school. If you, there's video, you can watch it on my Patreon. You can watch it on YouTube. Chad was drunk as you know what. Uh, I was I was pretty good that night too, but not like enough. Right, was was able to drive home. Chad was falling down essentially. It was. Uh, we'll we'll get into talking about it probably on Monday for the the 100th Mondays with Maser podcast. But there's a reason I went down to Florida. It's not just to see Chad, just to get a couple of rays of sunshine, see a couple of ballparks. I went down to go see somebody who was on my podcast back in February named Hawk Jensen. Now, Hawk Jensen is a director. He's a jilted former Hollywood director who saw like with everything else in society got shut down in 2020 because of the lockdowns and the the COVID hysteria and uh, decided, uh, I think he went on the Tom Woods show one day and said, or, or, or I forgot what it was, either he was on there or he heard a podcast that Tom Woods did. And Tom said, I hope somebody's documenting this time of craziness. And Hawk basically said, maybe that should be me. Why shouldn't I? Documenting what was going on in real time as opposed to the narrative that we're going to get years, like if it's not happening right now, the memory hauling and the changing a lot of that narrative, it's going to happen soon. It's like, well, we had to lock down and it saved 500 million lives. You have no proof of that. You have no, really no proof. And how many, the destruction of people who couldn't go for regular cancer screenings, that they had depression, they had anxiety, they had, God only knows what other affliction. And he wanted to document that. And I told him on the podcast, I said, I'd like to go down there April 19th when you do your premiere. And they showed the premiere and I'm not going to give it away uh, because what they did is they're doing three acts of this and it's called follow the science lockdowns go viral. And it's hosted by Clifton Duncan, who was also there. I got a chance to meet him. He's a Broadway actor who was really upset by the vaccine mandate in for Broadway. And he's like, I'm a healthy guy. I don't need a vaccine right now. And they said, well, then you can't perform. So he's like, well, screw this. <laughs> so he's kind of the narrator throughout the whole movie. And it's it was, it was really good. They did it in three acts. It was like the first two kind of set things up in the third act. Again, I, I don't want to give it away because I don't know when they're going to put this out. But it was very emotional. And it's what a documentary or a docu-series should do. It should make you angry. It should make you sad. It should make you laugh. If you have something that manipulates your emotions in different ways, you're doing the right thing. Um, I want to play a little bit of that trailer uh, for people who want to go check it out. But this is, um, if you're watching on the video, here's the trailer, this is called Follow the Science. It's a little sneak peek.
1: I have this vision like a wave of deaths moving across the globe. We should take a closer look at these lockdown policies. The collateral damage was almost worse than the pandemic. It's the virus.. Join us as we lock down the science on lockdowns.
0: Yeah, and they had Jay Bhattacharya on there. They had, uh, yeah, go to followthescienceseries.com. If you are interested in donating, you want to check out more, I think there's a longer, like, two-and-a-half, three-minute trailer up there. And it was very well done. And I had an opportunity to, to meet Hawk. He was very th- grateful that I was able to fly down and go check it out. And Clifton Duncan, I talked to him for like 15 minutes. And I met the great Tom Woods. I've been listening to Tom Woods' podcast for years. I've heard about him. And I, <clears throat> in the early days of my podcast listening, I didn't like half-hour podcasts. I thought, I, I need at least 45 minutes to an hour. I can't. I don't want to do snack size podcasts. I want a full meal. Give me a little bit more content. What are you going to tell me in a half hour? But then I started listening to his podcast, and it it worked because it's like it's 30 minutes. He's got a guest on. They talk about something in the liberty sphere, and he happened to be there last night. I got a picture with him, and I'm going to post that tomorrow or today, actually, Um Tom Woods is a a national hero. If you don't know anything about him, if you haven't read any of his books or his, uh, I think he's got a new one now. It's uh, your, I think it's called Your Facebook Friends Are Wrong About the Ukraine Conflict. And he's incredible. He's an incredible commentator and author and podcaster. So uh, some of you who do listen to Tom Woods, you're like, yeah, I know this. You don't need to tell me that. (laughs) But it's, He's he's fantastic. And it was an honor, honor and a pleasure to meet him. He's a, a good friend of Ron Paul and Gene Epstein, a lot of great people in the Liberty movement. It was just it was terrific. It's a great, real honor to go check him out. So go check that out. Follow the series or follow the science. It's a docu series, And that's why I went down there. And it was it. it, it, it Like I said, it played with my emotions. When I started getting angry again over the covid stuff that I, I got to a point. In there where it put me back to where I was about three years ago at this time which is looking around at my friends it wasn't even so much Fauci and uh, Dr. Burks, the scarf lady and other bureaucratic politicians I couldn't stand them anyways but I realized that they're authoritarians this is what they do but I was watching my friends and my family people who thought I, I was crazy like I actually had people legitimately come up to me in the last couple of years that were like, are you okay? Did you lose your mind? What happened? Like, are are you, are you okay? And I said, what are you talking about? They're like, you know, I've been looking at your Twitter and you're just ripping on, you know, Fauci and all this. I'm like, yeah, because they deserve it. Look what's happened. Look what's happened to our society. Is this any of this normal? And sure enough, it's now come out that I was right. They were wrong. My friend's having Zoom. Hey, we're going to do Zoom happy hour. Are you doing anything Friday? Oh, of course you're not doing anything because nobody's doing anything Friday. Let's do Zoom happy hour. No. How about we do regular happy hour? How about we get together? Yeah, but COVID. No, not the COVID. We're in our early 30s at the time. I'm pretty healthy. I go. For, uh, my gym is closed, but I've been running three to four days a week. I think I'm fine. I think I'll be okay. My mental health probably taking a little bit of a hit. So is everybody else's because we claim to care in our society about mental health until we don't. And it's like, now we're not we're not going to factor in the other problems with with locking down and forcing you out of work because you didn't take an experimental drug in your arm. Experimental shot uh, or you're getting kicked out of establishments because you're not wearing your mask properly. All these things have been debunked. And where where's the response? Where's the I, I'm sorry, I screwed up. I effed up, man. Where is any of that? It's nowhere. And it's not going to be anywhere. We're not going to get any apology from it. So check this one out. This is uh, Rochelle Walensky, one of the uh, in my opinion, one of the worst people on this planet. So she's the head of the CDC. And she was one of those huge vaxxers the vaccine does this and the vaccine does that and this and this and this is a woman who by the way is all caught up on her vaccinations had covid for like five weeks she said oh no it's a very mild case really you've had it for a month and a half she's had it for how long and it's like oh but it's it's very mild and they all do the same thing over and over again it's Today, I tested positive for COVID-19. I am vaccinated and boosted, and I am grateful for such life-saving, blah, 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 blah. Say the line. It's like the millhouse. Say the line, Bart. (laughs) So here she is. Now, this is what we were told in March of 2021, was whether it's by Rochelle Walensky and Fauci and all these other people, all the way down to their propagandists in the corporate press, which the MSNBC and Rachel Maddow that said, if you get this, if you get this shot, you are not going to get COVID. You're not going to spread COVID. Well, what happened? Not too much longer after that, you still got COVID after you got your vaccination and you still spread COVID. And then some people kept getting COVID, including the CEO of Pfizer. So here's Rochelle Olensky this week. This is an amazing clip right here. Just listen to this one. Director Walensky, in March 2021 on MSNBC, you stated that, quote, vaccinated people do not carry the virus. They don't get sick. Do you remember making that statement? Yeah, under the, I do. Well, I remember such statements. I don't know if I remember that one. Okay, was that statement correct? At the time, it was. It was a wild type uh, virus that we had. It was um, even before the Alpha variant. It was the initial wild type virus. And all the data at the time suggested that um, people who were vaccinated, um, even if they got sick, couldn't transmit the virus to someone else.
1: All right. Is that statement still correct?
0: Um, well, so we've had an evolution of science and an evolution of the virus. We have since that wild type virus had the alpha variant, the delta variant, now the Omicron variant and numerous sub variants since. That statement is no longer correct with the Omicron subvariants we have right now. So it, isn't that interesting, kind of interesting now that we have gotten to a point where Oh, the science changed. Yeah, no, no, no. That was true at one time, but the science changed. This is the follow the science thing is, no, no, no. See, I was right. It's just, that's what science does. Science just changes that quickly. Really, really, it, it changed. What changed? Because in 2021, it we were told it was a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Remember that one? Pandemic of the unvaccinated. This The death and despair and destruction that we're going to have from people who are not going out and they're listening to Alex Jones and they're listening to misinformation and Russian disinformation. In reality, it didn't really matter. Honestly, it, it did not matter. This... Uh, OK, this is why I'm not putting this episode on YouTube, because even though we know this by now, it's not it's we. we Things have been debunked, but YouTube will still probably try to dock me. Strike my channel, whatever the case, I just don't want to deal with that. Um, it's just funny how the science changed when they say, but but wait a second, you also said the science is settled. See so the science is settled. No, wait. A- but the science is always changing. That's science. That's what science does. That's what science is. But you started criticizing us, you and Neil deGrasse Tyson and Bill Nye, the science guy, that would be like, come on, people. It's, come on, it's, it's science, you know. When will people listen to scientists? Well, they'll listen to scientists. They're not going to listen to public health anymore. Boy, what you, you folks have done for the distrust of the public health industry, if that's even an industry, because it's, again, it's a government job, You've done irreparable damage to yourselves. So it's just amazing. But uh, so recently, Elon Musk went on. Tucker Carlson, and was talking about. It seemed that the government had a little bit more say in what was happening at Twitter and looking at people's direct messages. Breaking the Fauci files show collusion between Twitter and Big Pharma to silence COVID dissent and boost vaccines. from the post-millennial. I'm not surprised, not surprised one bit about this because we've seen this over time of how many people within Twitter used to work for the FBI or the CIA. They had their own Slack channels of people who were former feds that got jobs at Twitter, yet they created their own Slack channels to talk about what was going on. That's why the Twitter files that came out late 2022 were so damning. Even if it's not going to move the needle as far as elections go, it's great that that information is out there now. And now that we see that they were colluding with Twitter, with social media to shut down what they considered misinformation. But who, whose misinformation was it? In A lot of ways, it's their own misinformation, but they're OK. They're allowed to do it. We're not. Even if our information is actually true, theirs is legitimate misinformation, but it would depend on where the narrative goes. Just incredible. Incredible. That's why I was so grateful to go down there because, and I I, I told Hawk Jensen about that, the director on the podcast that's back in February. You should go check it out if you haven't. And I remembered also feeling that way of, being very lost in 2020 at this time. So, you know, April 20th, April 21st of uh, 2020. We're long past 15 days to flatten the curve. We're now a full month plus of lockdowns. And for some of us who worked at a radio station and got in a little bit of trouble, almost got fired from his job because he questioned the other, you know, uh, It's side effects of the lockdowns of what that's going to do. But this isn't politics. It's a pandemic. Mm. It's politics. You made it political. This shouldn't be political. COVID should not have been political. You made it political. So here we go. Here we go. Here we go. You made it political. Because for some of us who have questions about, hey, what's going to happen to somebody who has a biopsy, who has to go to dialysis? that we can't we have to do virtual health right now and then they're finding out that little spot on their arm turns into full-blown skin cancer it's happening all over the place it's just not being reported on because it's not the proper narrative that they wanted to push they wanted to push more vaccine stuff and in 2020 they want to push more panic porn and that's what has what kind of gone on right now is the are they intended or unintended? Because I guess you could say unintended, but all the other fallouts and people who have committed suicide and the the, the other deaths from despair, people who were sober that got hooked on smack again or, or drinking. Remember, the liquor stores were open. Churches were closed. Explain that to me. Explain to me why you couldn't celebrate Easter with your family. They say Easter's closed. No Easter, can't go to church, can't do any of that. But by the way, if uh, you like that, you like Maker's Mark? You like bourbon? You, you bourbon guy? Hey, pfft, Come on by. Liquor store is open. Al's Liquor Store right down the street is open, but you can't go to church. No one's really explained that to me, why uh, that was that was anything. But it's, it's crazy. Speaking of crazy, quick announcement right now, I got to say. I was going to do this at the beginning of the podcast, but I wanted to get a little bit of content for you folks first. Um, if you are watching this, it means you are either watching this on Rumble, Locals, or Patreon. And I've been looking at my Patreon, uh, and I, and I, by the way, I think again all the people from Florida that I got to meet and they listen are listening to this right now. So thank you very much. um And if you are interested, I have a Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Tony Mazer T O N Y M A Z U R, and I do podcasts where I, I I'll curse, I'll do any of that. I'll, So some days I just completely lose my mind. I'll talk comedy. I'll talk sports, talk pop culture all the time, politics, everything like that. You get more podcasts per week. But I noticed not a lot of people signing up for the $20 tier. I had five, 10, and $20 tiers on my Patreon. and realized, ah, you know what? I didn't really develop the $20 tier. So I decided to tinker with it and go with making it $3. Yes. So if you are listening to this right now for the $5 tier, you have the option, if you are an already subscriber to my podcast, but you only listen to the audio, well, I don't care if you take a couple of bucks away from me and just do audio. So for $3, you get my podcast with no video, just audio. You get the audio version for 3 bucks. $5 gets you the audio and the video. So you get to see my cats in the background or, uh, no, I play a lot of videos. I play a lot of stuff here on this podcast. Uh, and then $10, you get extra podcasts. You get bonus content, as I call it. So you get a lot of bonus content for 10 bucks. $5 is what most people usually get because they, it's one of the cheaper options. Plus, you get video. But if you are only somebody who uh, you're like, all right, I don't really watch the video. I download your podcast and I do my job. I work on a truck. I work at uh, a steel mill. I'm in a factory, whatever. I can't watch a podcast. I'm driving. Then here's the audio version for just three bucks. So go to patreon.com slash Tony for those podcasts. So no more $20 tier. It's now the $3 tier. If I needed the money that bad, then I probably wouldn't be doing this. I'd be whoring myself out on a lot of podcasts and a lot more trips like I did to Florida. But, uh, I just want to get this information out. This is a labor of love for me. So thank you, everybody. Three, five, and $10 tiers now at patreon.com slash Tony Maser. Moving on to some other business going on in the world. Let's see. What what is this one? Oh, uh, Ron DeSantis. So a lot of people wonder why I go to Florida. And why, why did I start going to Florida again? Went there as a kid, had family down there. Didn't go for a long time. Uh, started going during the spring break days, not MTV spring break, but when my brother was in college, I didn't finish college. As you could probably listen to this podcast, I am not a college graduate. I am a college dropout who got into radio for 15 years and uh, don't do that anymore. Um, but my brother was in going to Ohio state and wanted to do some spring break, go down to Florida for a couple of days. And so we did, we went to Tampa and Clearwater and Orlando one year. And then the next year we wanted to go to a, uh, an even bigger place like Flagler beach, Florida, which is halfway between St. Augustine and Daytona. Wow. It's a retirement community with like two bars, but anyways, Florida was never the place I was going to California a lot for my trips. And then decided when I got married a couple of years ago, we canceled our, we had our small ceremony, but decided to do the bigger one in 2021. We also canceled what we wanted to do for our honeymoon, which was flying to Seattle. We had never been, uh, my wife and I have been to California. We've been to LA, been to San Diego, but haven't done Napa, haven't done San Francisco, haven't done Portland, Seattle, really haven't done any of that. So we said, how about we do that? Pre COVID, we're going to fly into Seattle and we're going to rent a car and take the PCH all the way down, either the PCH or I 5, all the way down to San Diego. And we've got family out there. And, you know, my family lives in Orange County. And then the world shuts down. And of course, the insanity that has been going on in Seattle and Portland from Chaz and Chop to the Antifa marches seems nightly in Portland and San Francisco, all the feces and God only knows what's going on in the streets and the craziness of LA and San Diego. It's just getting invaded right now. And like, let's go someplace. that's a little bit more free. So decided to go to Key West. Now Key West was a little bit more locked down in 2020 than say Pensacola or Fort Walton beach, but it was nice to go to Florida and we started really enjoying being there and flying in, going to Key West, going to Miami and Fort Lauderdale, Lauderdale by the sea. So we started doing that a little bit more. And it's, it's, it's a way of me almost rewarding Ron DeSantis for good governance, actually doing something with the state, talking, about, and being pragmatic about it, not being a squishy conservative, being somebody who's like, no, 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 we're not doing that. We're doing this now. And it's like, finally, there's actually somebody who's on the political right who's going to be more of a fighter who's going to, going to be proactive instead of reactive. I'm not saying you can't be reactive. You can do both be a little bit more proactive, be more pragmatic. And it was nice to see. So here's a little bit of Ron DeSantis speaking uh, over in uh, Florida. So the, he's talking about what what's happening with Disney and Disney now, I guess is doing like an, uh, a pride night and they have Mickey and Minnie wearing pride stuff. And it's this whole uh, with Bob Chapek and uh, Bob Iger and Disney's war against Ron DeSantis or Ron DeSantis's war against Disney. So, here he is talking about how kids really should just be kids. The education stuff is important to me because I know how it's important it is to our state. I know how important it is to our country. But it also is important to me because my wife and I have a six, five,
1: and three-year-old kids at home. So we're looking at it through the lens of parents ourselves, and we just
0: believe that parents should be able to send their kid to school, have them watch cartoons, just be kids without having some agenda shoved down their throats all the time. So gender ideology has no place in our K through 12 school system. And we've made that very, very clear. It is wrong for a teacher to tell a student that they may have been born in the wrong body or that their gender is a choice. And so we don't let that happen in Florida. And if Disney objects to that, well, so be it. We're gonna do what's right. So how about that? I mean, that, it's Ron DeSantis talking about the, the gender ideology. And when I mentioned the Hooters versus drag queen example, uh, the false equivalence is that they always like to bring this up by saying, Oh, you're, you think it's okay to sexualize kids and what? No, I don't think it's okay to sexualize kids. Anyways, kids should not be sexual period, period. I don't want them learning about how mommy and daddy like having dress-up nights, and there are certain nights that they do other activities with bustiers and uh, other marital aids. I'm being clean today since this is the free podcast. Um, kids shouldn't know about straight sex. They shouldn't know about gay sex. They shouldn't know about trans sex. They shouldn't know about uh, the fact that they have to. They would know about animal sex is because I don't know. Maybe their dog humps their leg, and it's like, "Mommy, what's it doing?" It's like, "Oh, it's just, just excited." Whatever. Yeah, I that dogs did that. Um, They'll learn at some point. Let them be kids. That's been my big thing is – and I think if you talk to a lot of people and why the Dylan Mulvaney-Bud Light controversy became such a big controversy, it wasn't something that blew over overnight, was the whole thing about the trans movement and how libertarian people have become when it comes to uh, sexual matters for adults – And how more conservatives or people, I guess, on the political right have just said, look, we can't keep fighting the the cultural battles of gay marriage and slippery slope arguments. Uh, There are gay people. Some gay people want to get married. What are we going to do about it? Then that quickly turned into trans bathrooms back in 2015. And you're like, well, now we need... We need uh, we need guys who identifies a woman to be in the girl's bathroom. And you're like, oh, boy, you really are boy. the slippery slope. You're, you are Chris going up <laughs> That's that slippery slope right now. And here we go where we're at today is. Normalizing a lot of these way more fringe segments of sexuality in our society and you have to like it or you're a bigot, you're a transphobe, you're a homophobe, you're this you're a xenophobe whatever the case is. And our whole thing, and when I say our, I'm saying anyone who's not a far left wacko right now, even Democrats kind of feel this way, more blue dog uh, union ty- style Democrats feel this way. I don't care what you do in the bedroom. This Remember this was the case 25, 30 years ago is like what two consenting adults do in the bedroom behind closed doors is between them. Then it became no, it's not behind closed doors. You have to know about it. And I'm a gay teacher and I need to tell you about what happens. Tony, that doesn't happen. But it's a good thing if it does happen. No, that's where we have said, no, 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 no. We're not doing this. You're not sexualizing the kids. You're not doing this. I remember I was in, I think we did sex ed when I was in fifth grade at my Catholic school. And we had permission slips to, they were sent home to the parents that the parents had to sign to say, the kids are learning sexual education this week. It's base level stuff. It's like, here's penis and testicles and here's fallopian tubes, vulva and ovaries. And it's like one day's male anatomy. Tuesday is female anatomy. Wednesday is the fertilization of the egg and sexual intercourse, but not going into detail. They're not talking about different fetishes with things you do with toys or with other parts of your body two other parts of another person's body with a a fist or anything like that. Or if you're not having sexual intercourse, there's a thing called oral sex. No, 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 no. Never learned that in school. I'm talking late 90s. Not really all that long ago. It's what, 25 years ago, we learned about that. None of that was going on. This was not a thing. And all of a sudden now it's no kids need to learn about anal sex. No, they don't. And when They have now said, oh, no, they are going to learn anal sex. There's nothing you can do about it. And we're going to call you a bigot if you don't like it. That's where parents stepped up and said, "Uh "Uh-uh, now I'm going to have a say right now. Parents should absolutely have a say in where their kids' education is. And you are not going to teach my kids about anal sex and graphic sexual acts in the classroom. And when either teachers, teachers' unions, or... Uh, radical activist group said, yeah, it, you and what army? It's like, well, <clears throat> you're, uh, you're going to see quite the backlash right now. And you are really seeing it right now. It's it's amazing. And and what Florida is dealing with right now is very pragmatic. I'm very happy about it. The whole thing about the whole gender ideology and drag queens and stuff is leave the kids alone. You want to be a drag queen? They say, oh, Rhonda Santos said that don't say gay. Uh, I've been to Miami Beach. In fact, I've been to Miami Beach since Ron DeSantis was governor. I've walked up and down Ocean Boulevard, not Ocean Avenue, where I used to sit and talk with you. We were both 16 and it felt so. Anyways, Ocean Boulevard in Miami Beach. And I saw three drag shows outside because it's 9 p.m. and it's all adults. No one had a problem with drag. I've seen the birdcage. The birdcage is almost 30 years old right now. Nobody had an issue with it. Nobody still has an issue with it. It's when you said, no, kids need to learn about this and they need to know about it. It needs to be normalized with them. And our contention is, no, it shouldn't. Drag is inherently a sexual activity. It is a a sexual art. Are you going to take your kids to burlesque shows where you have pasties and thongs and um, you're not taking your kids to strip clubs? It's essentially the same thing. You can't take kids to comedy clubs. Comedy clubs are, I think all of them are 21 and older, except a couple are like 18. You're not going to take a five-year-old to a comedy club, because there's going to be a lot of material that is a little uncouth, a little bit taboo for the Virgin Ears. Instead, it's like, no, we're going to... A a, a comedy club is tame compared to what some of these kids are reading in these books. It's incredible. But uh, good for Ron DeSantis, good for Florida, and that's kind of why I go down there and enjoy myself as I'm a part of it. Here's an example of poor governance. And it's not really, it's not a governor per se, but this is what happens when you elect the wrong people. Let's go to John Fetterman. Now, John Fetterman, who is uh, the former mayor of Braddock, Pennsylvania, which is a small borough on the Monongahela River outside of Pittsburgh. Braddock, Pennsylvania is a dump. It's a rundown old factory style town where the, I think probably the biggest industry right now is fentanyl. During his time as mayor, it got even worse. Then he somehow screwed up, not just screwed up, he screwed up into being, uh, I think, what was he? The, well, he was, he was lieutenant governor, I believe, or attorney general. You know, I think it was lieutenant governor, I believe. And then he is going to run for Senate. He faces off against Dr. Oz, who claimed to be a Republican the last, what, 25 days? <laughs> oh, I'm a Republic- Republican now. Okay, great. So Republicans put out, and, and then with the endorsement by Donald Trump and others, is that he got the nomination, and he lost. He lost to a man in John Fetterman, who not only was he incompetent at his job, not only is he pretty much a communist, He had a stroke, a pretty debilitating stroke. He can't form sentences. Now, there have been people who have had strokes. I've had family members. My grandmother had a couple of strokes. I'm not going to put her on a campaign trail, an arduous campaign for Senate in Pennsylvania for several months when he should be recovering. My grandmother, when she had her stroke or strokes, she was in the hospital bed for uh, however long it takes. And she goes home and slowly starts to recover. She gets gets her energy back, hopefully. Uh, maybe she doesn't get her energy back. You never know. John Fetterman is in his early 50s. He's a big guy. He's had drug problems in the past, so he really didn't take care of his body all that well. Also didn't take care of his mind well either. Has this stroke, doesn't recuperate, goes out on this campaign, wins, becomes the senator, and almost immediately he's at Walter Reed for depression and anxiety and suicidal ideation. And so he was there for, I think, like two months, finally out. And now here he is. So this is John Fetterman. He was he was the chairman of a committee hearing. And uh, let's let's check this out.
2: I call to this hearing of the U.S. Senate Subcommittee on Food and Nutrition, specialty crops, organics, and research to order. Chairwoman Sevenow.
0: And ranking member Booth. Is this take your kid to work day? Boosman. Oh, wait. Uh, let me preface this if you're just kind of stumbling upon this podcast and listening to it. I'm so happy John Fetterman won in Pennsylvania. If you followed my podcast last year, I I talked about the absurdity, but once I got past that, I started rooting for him. I started now rooting in in a way of like a sports team that you want a, if your team, or let's say, for example, you're not a fan of the, let's just say, you're not a fan of the Toronto Blue Jays. You don't hate them, but you're not really a fan of theirs. But you really hate the Yankees. And the Blue Jays happen to face the Yankees tonight. You're going to root hard for the Blue Jays just because you you hate the Yankees that bad. And that's how I feel about this. I, I don't hate John Fetterman. I hate his politics. I hate his if he were of sound mind and body right now, I probably would be railing against him and say, like, how can you Pennsylvanians vote for this? There's a lot of reasons. Pennsylvanians voted for John Fetterman because they either felt bad for him or they voted early because they were afraid about COVID again or or whatever the case. But they finally put him out of debates where a lot of people already put their votes in because they didn't like Dr. Oz. And I was happy Dr. Oz lost. I would have donated. If I were in Pennsylvania, I probably would have donated to the Fetterman campaign just for the chaos. So when I talk about him, he's fair game. To whether you want to make fun of him, call him a vegetable. Uh, you say that, well, that's mean. That's that's ableist. You are now making fun of somebody who's had a stroke. Tony, you said your grandmother, it's okay if you if we made fun of your grandmother for having a stroke. It's like, well, my grandma's dead. <laughs> Both my grandmothers are dead. But my grandmother wasn't a public figure. John Fetterman is. And I I, I suppose he could have bowed out. I mean, this is on his wife. This is on. Pennsylvania and the Pennsylvania Democrats. This is on the Democrat Party in general about putting this guy who is a I, I mean, he, his brain is a lava lamp right now. There's not much going on. And this is the difference between good governance and bad governance in Florida. They they elected Ron DeSantis by a, a fraction in 2018 over Andrew Gillum, who if he's not naked at a crack house, he's defrauding some agency. By, Four years later in 2022, Ron DeSantis has like a 20 point lead over Charlie Crist. I mean, it was incredible. That's what you do. That's people love DeSantis down in Florida. Uh, an example of bad governance is when you put out a TV doctor who decided to drift as a Republican for a little bit because he's like, well, look, I'm at retirement age anyways. I'm just going to go quietly into that good night. And he's going up against a guy who had a stroke on just before his campaign was really about to launch and he wins. And now we have to suffer the consequences. Well, we meaning more Pennsylvanians and my wife's family's from Pennsylvania. I can't even imagine what they're when when this is showing up like you have to feel embarrassed that this is going it's bad enough I see Joe Biden stumbling uh, over his words or can't, can't remember anything or it's just saying pressure. What, what did he say? So he's chair. So here's more John Fetterman. He's chairing this committee. And just, if you're watching on the video, look at how uncomfortable everybody is. Because again, we've all gone through somebody who has had some type of debilitating disease or they've had dementia, Alzheimer's stroke, uh, the throes of cancer of, uh uh, chemo and radiation and how that affects people but again they're in a hospital bed they're at home they're recovering in bed they're on the couch they're not at work this is this is seriously shame on you shame on you people
2: thank you so much for coming i thank you for your leadership on this committee and i look forward to working with you to pass a farm bill a farm bill that works for small far- farmers, rural communities, and hungry Americans. I would also like to thank my raking member, Senator Braun. I look forward to working closely with you. SNAP is one of the most effective programs to fight hunger and poverty in the country.
0: I, I'm honestly shocked. I'm not even a minute into this clip. He's obviously he's speaking in a very it's it's like a kid who just learned to read last week and he's showing off how good he can read now but he's not proficient yet he's not stumbling um but the problem is it's not so much when you read a teleprompter you're reading an iPad or whatever is in front of you it's when somebody's asking you a question like uh senator fetterman um explain to us about the opioid epidemic that's affecting pennsylvania that well i the opioid uh Dr. Oz, uh, that's where you need good governance. And when you have bad governance, when you elect a literal stroke victim, you are dealing with the consequences. In my time and effort in IFAS
2: as the mayor of Braddock, to lieutenant governor, to now, I have heard from Pennsylvanians about their support for a snap. Hunger is not a Republican or a Democrat issue. It's all of our issue that we have to take it on. We need to come together and stop playing political games with Americans access to food. Americans like chair about Corey Jor from the north to the town of Northeast in Pennsylvania. He tells me that his victim was skimming, which was when somebody stole money and he relied from it snap EBT. Mr. Jor is not the
0: I mean, again, I-, I could probably end it here. There's really not too much else. It's just he's. He's, it's like he's learning to read again. And what, we're, what everybody knows when you're dealing with somebody who's had a stroke or you're dealing with Alzheimer's or something that's so debilitating to the brain, it, you're not really getting better. It's just some days are going to be better than others. There's days where it's like, oh, that was a rough one, really bad one today. Had a couple episodes, whatever. It's just not good. But today we're not bad, not bad, uh, pretty aloof, pretty uh, Okay you don't elect them to any position at all. You don't, you don't elect them as your Senator. Shame on, basically shame on everyone involved. And if you're going to say shame on me because I'm talking about it, or if I've made jokes about it in the past, uh, it's now my fault. I didn't vote for the guy. If, If anything, yeah, I'm rooting for the guy because it shows how absurd our politics are right now. It shows how absurd we've, I mean, we've really lost our collective minds. Uh, Diane Feinstein, by the way, she cannot lift, she basically can't even lift her head. She can't, she can't scratch her own behind. I mean, again, I'm not trying not to curse today. She is lost it mentally. And we've known this for several years, yet she still has her position. I mean, this, this woman's about 90. And. We are allowing, we, we've allowed this. That the, At what point did we decide that this is supposed to be normal? I mean, I thought we were going in a direction of Bill Clinton was the first baby boomer president. He's born in, what, 46? Then George W. Bush, I think he's also born in 46. Then you had Barack Obama, who was born in 61. You're like, wow, hey, we, I mean, he's still a boomer. Because Boomers, I think, by the 63, 64 is the time when it turns into Gen X, but he was a very younger boomer. And then you had Donald Trump, also a boomer, born in what, 46, 47. Then you have Joe Biden, who's not a boomer. He's older than Boomers. And then you start looking around, and you say, Nancy Pelosi's in her 80s. Bernie Sanders in his 80s. Joe Biden's in his 80s. Elizabeth Warren's in her 70s. Donald Trump's in his 70s. What are we doing? Where's the, where's the youth? Where's the injection? But then also we look at the youth and you say, do you really want to have president Ocasio-Cortez? <laughs> I, I mean, what about president George Santos? Why not? President Santos. Why just, it. it that's how absurd this is. I don't know. Uh, I was going to play a clip here, but there was cursing in it. Um, let me see if I can find it. Well, oh, actually, let me let me go with this. Speaking of uh, bad politics here. So Eric Adams is the mayor of New York. Now, is Eric Adams a better mayor by comparison than Bill de Blasio? Yes. I, I don't I don't want to say by a long shot, but Bill de Blasio did irreparable damage to New York City and before COVID. What he was doing at the time of of driving so many people away from new york city and i think the cherry on top of bill de blasio was when he's dancing with his wife when they're wearing masks when 2020 turned into 2021 and it was such a middle finger such a slap in the face to people and nobody could go to times square you couldn't do that because COVID is rampant in our big cities and can't do any of that so your normal New Year's activities of going to a bar or going to a friend's house, popping champagne. Uh, you get the balloons of the new year. You get the glasses of they'll say 2021. 20, and the, the zero is one of the eyes. And part of the two is part of another eye or whatever. the stupid things. Party favors. Couldn't do that because COVID was out there. But Bill de Blasio was dancing with his wife in Times Square as 2020 finally graciously ended and we headed into 2021, it really was like dancing with the devil. It was the symbolism of that. And yet Eric Adams, though better, not too much better. So for anybody who knows a little bit about Eric Adams, he was not necessarily like he was a former police officer. But he wasn't a police. Officer. He, he was a he was almost like a meter maid. He he did really didn't do anything. He was kind of causing a lot of problems. So it was like, I, I don't know. It'd be like if you had a broadcaster in baseball that he was a he was a middle infielder who played for a couple of years, but when they they introduce him, they would make it seem like he was this multi-time All Star and borderline Hall of Famer. It's like, no, nah, he didn't really do any of that. You're kind of kind of playing up your credentials a little bit. So here's Eric Adams talking about. Because uh, he's a vegetarian and he urges other people to continue being vegetarian. And just th- this is just just stop here.
2: We're addressing for the first time the connection between our food system and our climate crisis.
0: It is easy to talk
1: about emissions that are coming from vehicles and how it impacts our carbon footprint. It is easy to talk about the emissions that's coming from buildings. But we now have to talk about beef. The new integrated emission inventory we're unveiling today show that food is the third biggest source of cities' emissions. We already know that a plant-powered diet is better for your physical and mental health.
0: Mental health. Okay. Um, So, yeah. So, carbon emissions, we're talking about beef and lamb. Uh... I, I don't, I'm sorry, the, I could tell the grift of the Green New Deal and all this other climate nonsense is just, it's all related. All of this is very related and it's all nauseating to talk about. um But eating beef, oh, it's terrible for the environment. I, uh, no. Sorry, no, I don't care. But they have to make this whole like, oh, we should, uh, because if you noticed in the last couple of years, they've been telling us about all these new, it's like, oh, do you eat, you eat beef? Why don't you try, uh, you know, crickets? Uh, Yeah, no, no, not cricket powder. You know, you don't need any of that other stuff. You need to season your food with cricket powder. No, I am not going to do that. I'm sorry, that's not happening. I saw another one. They said, oh, you like eating bacon and eggs for breakfast? How about you change it up and eat ramen? Uh, no, if we're talking about ramen noodles, the packages I get, I thankfully make a little bit more money that I don't need to eat that all the time. But well, I might actually have some of that in a little bit. Uh, I'm not eating that for breakfast. It's not going to be my meal right now. But these climate people... The, the one good thing I will say, well, actually, you know what? I'm going to save that for the end of this video because it's a good way to wrap things up with this podcast.
1: I am living proof of that. But thanks to this new inventory, we're finding out it is better for the planet. That's why today we're committed to reducing the city food emission by 33% by 2030 and challenging our private sector partners to is reduce by 25% by 2030. Food has to look good, it has to taste good, and it has to be good for you. We are saying to New Yorkers who are serious about this charge of cleaning up our environment, we now have a new focus that must include food.
0: Okay, thank you, Eric Adams. Thank you for telling me not to eat beef. I guess I'm not going to McDonald's when I'm in New York. I did, my wife got mad at me one time I was in New York. Uh, I was hanging out with good pal Gino Bisconti, comedian extraordinaire, and he. Uh, we drank about 13 shots of Jameson in the morning. I'm not kidding. I was there. I was off work. I didn't have anything going on. So I drank a lot of Jameson, and, uh, and then I had some beer, and I started walking up towards Times Square, and I had to pee really bad. And McDonald's, this was right around the time of that Starbucks incident in Philadelphia, but McDonald's wouldn't let you use their bathroom unless you are ordering something, which I think is reasonable. I think if you're going to pee in somebody's bathroom, you should at least patronize them. And so I'm like, all right, I'll get a burger. So I got a I got a cheeseburger, like a quarter pounder with cheese, at McDonald's just so I can pee. And my wife was like, so you went to New York and you ate McDonald's? You didn't you didn't go to a nice Italian restaurant and try the cultural stuff? You went to McDonald's? I'm like. Again, I had to pee. Where else am I going to go? But knowing how New York is right now, I could have just gone on the street. It would have been normal. So I'm going to wrap up the podcast here with, with this point, because I always like to do these podcasts where it's a what have we learned? What have we learned through this process? The Green New Deal stuff, if you notice that <clears throat> it, it's falling on a lot of deaf ears right now, they're pumping a lot of money into it, but people don't care they're focused on other things. I mean, is it uh, the trans movement? People have their uh, focus on that right now. Do they have their focus on what's happening in the schools and school choice? Probably, but man, I gotta say in the last couple of years, I, I remember when the Green New Deal was introduced in like 2018, 2019, and they were talking about how it's just gonna completely upend every system that we have in our society. Every institution is gonna be upended. And you just go, this is not sustainable. You can't do this. So we're going to tear down century old buildings because uh, they have some kind of ventilation that needs to be upgraded with new air purifiers and this, this, and this. And uh, this needs to be more high tech building as opposed to an old brick style uh, in Manhattan. You go, no, no, we're not going to do this. And if you really, if you notice that the climate change activists right now, they are back to being Looney Tunes. They're back to being where they were of the the old dirty hippies of the 60s and 70s. You would say, ah, oh, it's just some dirty hippie. Well, then the hippies became very mainstream and we started hearing so much about global warming during the Al Gore inconvenient truth years of the aughts. Well, those people have now become the loonies again. And the trust in those institutions along with most of our other institutions have gone away and I'm grateful for it. Don't trust these people. They've already proven that they don't care about you. They care about their agenda. They care about their narrative. They're going to push it. So whether you're Eric Adams, who wants to basically turn all of New York City into a vegetarian paradise, fine. I mean, how many restaurants is that going to close down? Like, are you really trying to get more people to leave New York City? You're doing a great job already. You and de Blasio and Cuomo and Kathy Hochul have done a great job of turning a lot of people from new york into florida residents as soon as they get there they're getting their carry concealed and they're getting their driver's license saying screw you new york i ain't coming back um but the trust in the public health and when you start looking at documentaries and and people remembering what happened the last couple of years from the climate stuff to the vaccine and the covid nonsense people are waking up people have woken up and What's sad about it is they're not going to trust the experts as much anymore because they've been lied to, been lied to so many times. And I like it. I like the fact that Dr. Fauci now has a lot of mud on his face. There's a lot of people who have woken up and said, mm. you know, I started listening to that guy in 2020. He was telling us to stay home. And I realized, ah, eh, he's a piece of garbage. And all the other politicians that said, you know, we need you to stay home for your safety. And yet they're out at the French Laundry like Patrick Bateman, Gavin Newsom was doing or Lori Lightfoot, who said she needed a haircut because she's a public figure or the aforementioned Bill de Blasio, who was at a gym while the gyms were closed and they found him leaving a gym. He's like, well, I'm a public figure. I have to stay in shape. You can't. You have to get stay home, get fat, get drunk. Uh, Don't go to church, lose faith in humanity, but he can go to the gym. It's okay. It's good for his mental and physical health, just not yours. So the institutions have been crumbling like the walls of Jericho right now. And it, it's it's great that we can start to document this in real time as opposed to waiting 20, 30, 40, 70 years after the fact. That how are we going to remember this period of time in our lives? How are we going to remember what we went through the last three years now from sitting at home where I'm currently broadcasting from? I sat on this patio having a lot of to drink and playing music and doing what I can to keep myself occupied. I didn't like what it was doing to me mentally. I'm being stuck at home and, and turns out it's like, eh, well, okay. Maybe we were wrong, but they don't say we were wrong. I just want a little bit of an admission to say, Hey, yeah, we got that wrong. We we're trying to follow the science. And uh, instead we followed our noses, we followed our, our narrative. We followed what our agenda was supposed to be, and we didn't really care too much about the people and the impact it was going to have, whether it's climate, whether it's COVID, whether it's any type of public health, public uh, anything under that umbrella. And it just needed to be changed. And I'm glad we've gotten to that point where people have woken up to what's been going on. Where do we go from here? But that's why I'm glad a lot of this is being documented. I'm glad for people like Hawk Jensen, Clifton Banks, or Clifton, Carlton Banks? Clifton, who's Clifton Banks? Clifton Duncan, uh, Tom Woods, and everybody who's a, who's a part of this that have kind of woken up. And it was, it, it's nice because from everything that I've been talking about right now, it's weird to go, yeah, I was kind of on the ball with that. I've been taking so many victory laps, I'm very sore. My shoulder, I threw my shoulder out because I've been patting myself on the back way too much. <laughs> All right, I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. Again, go to patreon.com slash Tony If you want the audio version of this podcast and others on my Patreon, it's three bucks a month at patreon.com slash Tony If you want the audio and the video, five bucks a month at patreon.com slash Tony And if you want extra podcasts, it's 10 bucks a month at patreon.com slash Tony So thanks, everybody. I am Tony Mazer for listening to this podcast. Check Your Brain Podcast back with you on Wednesday of next week. Have yourselves a good one, and I will talk to you fine folks, hopefully soon, sooner rather than later, if you want to subscribe to my Patreon at patreon.com slash Tony